so great to be here. It's great to be in God's house in 2022, isn't it? And uh, God is at the beginning of it all. He's the end of it all, and he's everything in between. He is everything to us, and just enjoyed the, the worship this morning. Thank you, worship team. Thank you, Pastor for the invitation to come and share with you. I've been following what God has been doing here at Harvest for um, the five years that you've been in existence, and even before that, as Pastor Micah and his family and the team here just preparing to, to launch and to see what God is going to do in this community. And so I'm privileged and happy to be meeting many of you for the first time, but I know that God has been working in this community. I know that God has been working in this place, and I'm so grateful to be a part of it today. And hopefully moving forward, we'll get to know each other more as we um, give you opportunities to step into some of the most impoverished communities around the world, to be the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ, to see boys and girls, moms and dads, entire communities reach for Jesus Christ um, and churches established in those communities, just like you are so blessed to have an amazing church in your community. Not every community has a church like Harvest Church, and so we want to provide that. And God wants to use um, the church to accomplish his purpose. That's what God has called the church to do. As individual believers, those of us who have given our lives to Christ, he is the, the Lord of our life. He's number one in our life. He's saved us from our sin. We now get to go on mission on behalf of God to the people around us. But God is so amazing. Through the power of his Holy Spirit that indwells us, he not only allows us to have an impact in those around us, who kind of are our first priority, the opportunity that God has given to impact other people spiritually and, and help people physically around us, but also because God is, is limitless and he knows no place or time, he allows us to be a part of what he's doing in other communities and around the world. And God is uniquely empowered and qualified the church to do that. So that's the journey that we want to invite you on this morning. Um, my family is not able to be with me, but my wife Angie and I serve as missionaries with Mana Worldwide, and we have three children. I think we have a picture of our kids, Dylan and Diego, our two older boys, and our little girl, Reese. And God has taken our family on a wonderful journey of serving. You know, somebody once told me, God, if, uh, Andrew, if you'll just make yourself usable to God, available to God, he will wear you out with opportunity. I'm sure Pastor Micah and Courtney can, can say amen to that. Many of us can say, but it's such an amazing feeling to be so unworthy, to be so limited um, by, by so many things, not having enough of the tools that we think we need to maybe be a leader or step out, but God just gives us opportunity, opportunity to serve, just being the hands and feet of Jesus. And so we are blessed to serve um, with manna. I want to invite you to open your Bibles to the book of Genesis. We're going to be in Genesis chapter 16. It'll also be up here on the screen. And I want to be able to share with you more about manna and the opportunity and understanding some information about what manna is and give you some, some handles and give you a, an on-ramp to join in what God is doing. Also challenge you from the Word of God. And so we're trying to accomplish a, a lot here this morning. And I wish I had even more time to, to tell you uh, countless stories. Missionaries always have stories of what God is um, but we also want to invite you to come and see it, and I know there'll be other opportunities to, to, to hopefully come back and share more and understand more and more of what God is doing around the world. And so I want to invite you to consider even coming on a trip with us this summer to the country of Nicaragua. I'll be talking about that here um, a little bit more, and I was told that I need to keep the, uh, the, the antenna facing the back there, so I'll try not to get uh, too, too crazy up here. Um, but you know what? Um, there's a lot of 
positivity about this year, and, um, and we ought to focus on that. But also understanding that this year and in 2020, as this past year and also in 2020, it's been a difficult year, hasn't it? This world is a crazy place. Maybe you've asked yourself the same questions I've been asking myself and my family's been asking. What, you know, why is this happening? Uh, what's going to happen to me? What's going to happen to my family? What's going to happen to my work or my job? Or maybe the question I've been asking the most, maybe you identify as well, how long is this all going to last? And so during this time of, that we faced here in our own country, uh, a health crisis, political um, turmoil, social turmoil, um, economy that's up and down, we can ask ourselves, where is God in all of this? But let me tell you, God is in the midst of it all. And so we can either turn to God during this time and in this new year of 2022 um, or turn on each other. And so let's turn to God and ask him to make 2022 a greater year than has ever been in our lives and in the life of your church as well. And so we can either let this, the, the struggles define us or they can refine us to, to challenge us, to make us bolder and stronger. And I believe that after five years, your church is, is stronger and bolder and ready to, to launch out, not but you say, well, there's so many needs within our church. There's so many needs in our community, and, and there is. There, there's countless and, and limitless needs here, and God is using you. But as I already mentioned, God can, can use us together to also reach beyond this community, even beyond the borders of our country, and reach many of them who have very little access to the gospel. And so my message is simple this morning. It's God sees and God sustains. So starting in uh, Genesis chapter 16, we find the story of Abram and Sarah. Those were their, uh, Abraham and Sarah, as they were later known. This is a little bit earlier in their story, as they, were na- as they were known as Abram and Sarai. And God had made them a wonderful promise, right? I mean, just a, a miraculous promise that they would be the parents of a great and mighty nation, God's chosen people. But as time went on, like you and I, I know at least myself for sure, uh, began to doubt God's timing a little bit. Have you ever done that before? And time was going on. This couple was already older, um, in their 80s, and God had not brought them the child, much less a great nation from that child. And so they decided to do what you and I many times do, is take a shortcut in God's plan. And so Sarah had a handmaid named Hagar, and they decided to have a baby by way of her. And immediately, things did not go well. You ever made a bad decision and you just knew it and you regretted it instantly? I know I've done that many, many times. And so we pick up the story as things have already, are already falling apart in verse uh, 6 of Genesis chapter 16. It says, So Abram said to Sarah, Indeed, your maid is in your hand. Do to her as you please. You can imagine they're ready to get rid of the problem. And so when Sarah dealt harshly with her, she fled from her presence. Now the angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness, by the spring on the way to Shur. And he said, Hagar, Sarah's maid, where have you come from and where are you going? She said, I'm fleeing from the presence of my mistress, Sarai. And the angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit yourself under her hand. Then the angel of the Lord said to her, I will multiply your descendants exceedingly so that they shall not be counted for a multitude. And the angel of the Lord said to her, behold, you are with child. You shall bear a son. You shall call his name Ishmael, because the Lord has heard your affliction. He shall be a wild man, and his hand shall be against every man, and every man's hand against him. And he shall dwell in the presence of all his brethren. And then verse 13, I really want to hone in on this. Look at it. It says, Then she, Hagar, called the name of the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees. 
where she said, have I also here seen him who sees me? The God who sees, the God who sees you, the God who sees me, the God who saw Hagar in her deepest, darkest time of need. Now, this was a young woman named Hagar, and through no decision of her own, she had been thrust into a chaotic and, uh, situation. She had been rejected by those people around her, and now she found herself all alone. Maybe you haven't been in the same situation as Hagar, but we've all felt alone and abandoned by people around us. The name of God that she used here is El Roy, which means the God who sees. As we have opportunity to minister with manna in some of the most impoverished communities in the world, um, and, and we'll have opportunity on our trip this summer to, to serve food to the kids, to teach the Bible, to play games with them within the church setting there and see that church plant, but also then go out into the community to visit a few of the homes, to see a little bit more of the immediate context that the children um, are living in, to see their physical condition, but also to be able to encourage that family, maybe take them some groceries or a water filter and just let them know we're there because God has sent us there uh, to, to love on them and to hear their story. Let them know that God sees them, that we see them, be able to share the story of God, how God has transformed our life and what is motivating us to help these children. And so we have opportunity to go in and, and let them know that God sees and that we see. Vast different circumstances. You know, we say with, I say with manna all the time that we believe if we'll reach children, we can reach families. If we reach families, we can reach an entire community for Jesus Christ. And to, to share the gospel with moms and dads who are struggling. The angel of the Lord that it talks about here in Genesis chapter 16 is literally the Old Testament appearance of Jesus Christ, the pre-incarnate Jesus in Old Testament form. And in the New Testament, Jesus was born as we just celebrated his birth, grew up, started his ministry. Jesus also, when he walked this earth, noticed things about people and needs about people that other people didn't notice. In Luke chapter 21, there's one of these stories, one of these examples of Jesus being in the temple with his disciples. And it was a busy time in the temple and all this activity, so many religious things going on. And it says in verse 1, it says, he looked up. And he saw the rich putting their gifts into the treasury. And he, all, he, also, he saw also a certain poor widow putting in two mites. So he said, truly I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all. For all these out of their abundance have put in offerings for God. But she, out of her poverty, put in all the livelihood that she had. God sees. God sees things that other people don't see. Maybe this year's been a struggle for you. Let me tell you, God sees your faithful heart. Those of you who are watching online who maybe aren't able to be with us here in person, you have been faithful. You've been faithful praying for this church, watching the services, growing right there where you are, giving and continuing to be faithful in that. And so many in this room, I've already heard stories of what God has done in this past year, how he's used you to, to reach friends, to reach neighbors, to reach coworkers. And, and share the gospel with them and welcome them to the church. He sees your faithful heart. That sacrificial giving that you give that nobody else knows about, that selfless act of service that nobody sees, God sees that, and he will reward that. This story of Jesus and his disciples in the temple and this widow lady and her two mites reminded me of a, of a time a couple of years ago just before the pandemic in the country of Guatemala. There we have Mana centers and church planning opportunities all over the country. 
And if you, if you know something about Guatemala, maybe you've heard about some of the volcanic eruptions that they've had there. And there's one aptly named volcano there called Fuego. Uh, it's fire for those of you who haven't been in Spanish class for a while. Uh, if, there, if there's 10 words of Spanish, usually we know the word Fuego. And it's a very active volcano, but there are also farming communities on the slopes of that volcano. And that volcano erupted, wiped out entire villages, um, just as, as the lava rushed down, wiped out bridges, roads, and cut communities off entirely. People were killed instantly or very quickly, but then there was also other communities, literally maybe a quarter mile or half a mile from where one of the main blasts or lava would flow, that survived, hailed on by rocks and debris and everything, but just became cut off. And so quickly, within a few days and a week, they were cut off from any sort of supplies getting to their village. And they're small villages, so they just have small corner stores and things. So we began to try to get out to those, to those villages and to those towns to provide relief. And I don't have time to tell you all the miraculous ways that God made a way for us to, to get out there. What would normally be like a 40-minute trip out there, six and seven hours, crossing rivers, around down bridges, all these different things, switching vehicles that couldn't cross a deep enough river. And we got to this particular town. As you can see on the picture behind, there was just a whole line of people. As long as, long as, the, as that town was, there was a line of people. And we began to carry the supplies inside the church and set them up there. And the elderly of the community were welcomed in first, and we were just able to, to love on them and, and get them the supplies that they needed, share the, the gospel with them, pray with them. And this continued for, for hour after hour as people came through the line. And uh, the whole time in the back of my mind, I knew that God was going to make a way, but I was concerned that the rivers would rise during the the afternoon, and that we wouldn't be able to get across. But, you know, we would just stay there in the church if we weren't able to cross, but we were going to at least try. And so um, the supplies miraculously lasted. There were supplies left there for people for the next few days, and we started getting in the vehicles again. I was in the back of this pickup truck, and, you know, we were trying to hurry out of there. And from the back of the crowd, I heard this lady cry out. And I looked back, and there was a lady with a big blue bucket of bananas on her head. And the women in Guatemala carry the many heavy loads on their head. And I thought, hold on, we need to, this lady wants a ride because she hasn't been able to exit the village to be able to sell her bananas or wherever she needed to take them. And so she got close to the truck and I put my hand down to help her in and she said no. And she raised up the bucket of bananas. I thought, oh, she doesn't want a ride. She wants to give us out of what she has. A banana. So I took a banana, started to take a second one to hand it out to people, and she said, no, these are all for you. This lady had received her supplies, gone all the way back to her home, and brought what little she had back as a way to bless us. I thought about that poor widow lady that Jesus describes to his disciples. Giving out of her poverty, it humbled me, and I learned a really important lesson on that day. God sees her sacrifice and will reward that. God sees your sacrifice and will reward that. We read a verse in Proverbs that during the welcome today. Another verse in Proverbs 22, Proverbs 22, 9 says, For he who has a generous eye will be blessed, for he gives of his bread to the poor. I love that word picture, a generous eye. A generous eye is not just a, a, it is an eye that is actively looking for how it can help, how it can be a blessing. I want to have a generous eye, an eye that is looking out for ways that I can help people and not just receive. During this Christmas season, we're reminded every, every single year, it is more blessed to give than to receive. 
So Jesus sees the small picture, those forgotten and unnoticed people, but he also sees the big picture. He also sees the multitudes and the crowds who are still to, to be reached with his message of love and forgiveness. One of those instances is in Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9 records many examples of Jesus doing miracles all throughout the towns and villages. It just summarizes them here. If you read the whole chapter of Matthew 9, you can just realize how busy of a guy Jesus was. It says, Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But, verse 36, when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep, having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. The multitudes of people still to be reached with the message that he came to share with them. That can be overwhelming sometimes. First, it says that Jesus' heart was moved with compassion. Our hearts got to be moved, be moved with compassion for the nations, for the multitudes of people, many who have yet to hear the name of Jesus or how Jesus can impact their life eternally. What is Jesus' answer to this? His heart is moved, so then he turns to his disciples and he challenges them, instructs them to pray, to pray for more laborers in his harvest. You see, seeing as Jesus sees, leads from a heart of compassion to prayer. And that prayer always leads to action. I don't know what God is doing in your life. Maybe there's different points of application, and God wants you to take whatever next step he has for you today. And I hope that in this first Sunday of the year that you will take a next step. Maybe that next step is God asking you to just surrender your life. Maybe God is already calling a missionary to go to another country, to another group of people. And today, you don't know what that looks like. You don't have a place in mind or even the steps to get there. But let me just encourage you to say yes, to say yes to whatever God has for you, to go out from this place, equipped and trained and called and sent out, and just say, yes, I'll surrender if you're calling me to be a missionary. Francis Chan, in his book, Letters to the Church, says this about compassion. He says, true compassion takes into account far more than what a person feels today. It takes into account what he or she will feel on Judgment Day. I believe this is what Jesus' mindset as he was looking to that crowd of people. He saw their needs today. We see with manna needs of people, great physical needs all over the world. But also, in the forefront of our mind, my mind is that that person will spend eternity either with God in heaven or separated from God, alive in Christ or dead in their sins. And so that's what motivates us because we will all stand before God one day. Matthew Henry, the Bible commentary writer, says it ought to be the business of every day to prepare for our final day. That is the call to missions, to be on mission. So God sees you're here and now but he also sees you're there and then. So God sees you in your struggle. He also sees the potential in you. Second Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9 says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. 
He's looking for people who are just loyal, who are ready, willing, and available. So let me challenge you this morning. Allow God to change you internally, develop you internally, so that then he can use you to impact eternally. When I think about the potential, I think about our manna kids. Our manna kids that God has allowed us to minister to, we have manna feeding centers where in the context of a local church, kids are come in, they're fed a nutritious meal every day, they're taught the word of God, they have a place to belong, a place to, um, to, to hear and know and grow in Jesus, a place to be discipled where whole families then can come into the church. We also have children's home orphanages around the world for kids who have no family, and we are that family for them. One of, the, one of these uh, orphaned uh, young ladies is a girl named Astrid. And Astrid's story is very powerful. She came into our children's home in Guatemala City, Guatemala, when she was 11 years old, although she said she was only eight at the time. And there's a picture of her. Um, so this is our, sorry, if you go back one picture, this is some of our group uh, during COVID there as they haven't been able to, they uh, last year weren't able to leave um, the, the premises very much. Restrictions in developing countries um, are even uh, greater than they are here in the United States as they continue to be discipled by our house parents, Edgar and Laura there. But this is Astrid here in the next picture. And she was rescued because her mom had left her and her five siblings alone with an older teenage sister, the oldest, to take care of them. Mom didn't leave any money for food or any instructions. Um, and so the oldest sister, as you might imagine, just a young teenager herself, dealing with four younger siblings, treated them very, very harshly and did what she did to survive. She sent out the younger children to steal from the market and steal from stores so that they would have enough to eat. And Astra decided one day she no longer wanted to do that. She could no longer continue stealing. So she went to the market, but instead began asking for food from some of the vendors there. And praise God that some of them responded and gave her some food. She made up a story that she and her siblings had just gotten separated from their mother at the bus stop and they were waiting for her to come back and she had gotten hungry during this time. But one of the vendors um, took a next step and, and called the police and reported um, what was going on there. And this is a huge blessing because there are children all over the world, all over Central America, that are neglected, abandoned, abused, that are never reported to any sort of authority. And so she was taken into protective custody that, uh, that day. And I'll never forget, I was there with a, a team in Guatemala. She arrived at our home at 3 a.m. in the morning um, in, in a December morning. And it was a, a cold December morning for as cold as Guatemala gets. Trust me, not as cold as it is today here. So at 11 years old, she had not even completed one year of schooling. She had never um, uh, been to school before. She was placed in the second grade and, and did really well. Um, she continued to complete sometimes two grade years in one school year, and then in, um, in seventh grade, she was accepted into a better school with a higher academic standard. And her desire one day is to become a teacher. Well, while, since, while Astrid has been at the, the Mana Children's Home, she's come to know Christ as her Lord and Savior. And about a year and a half ago, she celebrated her 15th birthday, and it's a big quinceanera celebration. Maybe you've been part of one of those celebrations or you're aware of how meaningful they are in Latin American culture. And I'll never forget as Astrid stood before her church family, her, her, youth, her youth group and her youth pastor, and even some of her biological extended family that were there that day, and boldly proclaimed to them what God had done in her life, 
how God had rescued her, who had given her a hope, had forgiven her, and given her a family. And since she shared the gospel with people there that day, and I believe that God is going to use Astra to reach some of her family members one day. And that's her greatest prayer, that they'll find the hope that she's found in Jesus Christ. So God sees. God sees your struggle, but he also sees that potential of using you. God also sustains. You know, when I think about manna, the word manna, maybe you've heard of the word manna, maybe you're familiar with what the actual physical manna was. The manna was what God gave his children as they escaped from Egypt. They were in the desert for 40 years. God supernaturally provided sustenance and food for them. So they had escaped from Pharaoh, had crossed the Red Sea, and they didn't have time to plant crops because Pharaoh's army was behind them much less a, bear, uh, a, a fruitful land to, to even be able to grow food. And so I came up with this simple definition of what manna is. It's this. It's, manna is God's supernatural sustenance from heaven that arrives just at the right time. It's God's supernatural sustenance, his provision, that arrives in a timely manner. Jehovah Jireh is the God who provides. El Roy is the God who sees. And so that meant God's people of God's power and God's faithfulness every single day. It was a constant reminder of God's faithfulness. You know, and God has sustained. God has sustained us. God has sustained our ministry. It's been a struggle during COVID to, to, uh, to provide for, for all of our, our feeding centers. We have almost 250 manna centers in in 50 countries now. God has grown our ministry over 20 years. It was started by one missionary family in the Philippine Islands, Bruce and Pamela O'Neill, and since then God has brought a team of people together and a whole host of missionaries and local pastors to use these manna tools. Um, our mission with manna is to rescue poverty. The way that we go about doing that, as has already been talked about a little bit, is through feeding centers, medical clinics, orphanages, clean water projects, meeting physical needs of children to be able to reach a community for Christ and plant churches in those communities. And so it's, it's kind of a simple, um, stripped-down way of doing things. It's not very complicated. We're trying to model our ministry after Jesus' ministry. As he walked this earth, he encountered people's needs, right? He didn't overlook them. If people were hungry, he fed them. If they were sick, he healed them. He met emotional needs to be able to get to their deeper, greater spiritual need. And so that's what we're trying to do as well. And I have some pictures of how God has sustained um, our ministry during COVID. You can see um, the, the, as, as um, communities were, were isolated and lockdowns happened, kids, instead of eating the meals at the church, came to pick up groceries and food for their families. Um, as, the, as, as the pandemic went on, then hot meals began to be prepared, and they were taking those. Now many of our schools and feeding centers are back fully open in person. You can see in urban communities like at the, dump, at the city dump site in Guatemala City, in rural areas like the next picture, rural Honduras, where um, these, the, the smiles of these moms say it all. You can see that manna, that manna, that physical manna in the way of these bags of food that they're receiving there. Also in Honduras with water drilling projects that um, maybe uh, uh, provided water to 100 homes on a regular basis in the community. Now, because of uh, desperation, city leaders coming to the church, coming to Mana, asking, could we tie in our city's water system to some of the wells that you have around town? Being able to provide water 
um, for the entire town, and then also with mobile trucks to go out and as kids and moms and dads come out with any sort of pot, pan, and bucket to be able to fill up with clean water in those places. You can go to the, the next picture. Also, you're right here in the United States. We have um, um, uh, feeding, backpack feeding programs in local public schools for kids, and also youth camps across the country, which um, uh, reach young people here with the gospel, disciple them, so it's not just a camp experience, but through working through local churches, a leadership track to then um, help students when they graduate from high school, not graduate from the church, but live their life on mission, also providing those mission trip opportunities for them. The next picture, um, a picture in Chile with Haitian refugees. God has moved people around over the last couple of years. So the country's been full of Venezuelan and Haitian refugees, so there's squatter villages popping up. And so new opportunities, just as God provided new opportunities for your church to reach out in creative ways to your community because of the crisis. And then the next picture is a strike contrast. This is in Pakistan. We have a literacy center for kids and a feeding program. And you can just see the two colors difference, the traditional Muslim dress that these moms have on and then that white bag of food supplies that they have there. As COVID opened up opportunities for pastors to go directly into the homes of these Muslim families, as men aren't able to work, many times 10 or 12 people all living in one home, be able to go right into the homes of these people speak to their heart, deliver this food to them, and share the message of Jesus Christ. And so um, thousands of tons of food have been distributed in Karachi, Pakistan. People are coming to Christ during this time, and the open door to those homes is a simple bag of food to be able to share um, their message uh, of Jesus. You can see pictures of large schools that we have. This is in Mombasa, Kenya. You can go to the next picture. And one more picture is if you'll just hold right here, this is, in, this is in El Bosque, Nicaragua. It's just south of Managua. And this is Pastor Junior and his family. And he's a church planner there in this uh, small rural community, and God has done an amazing work in his life. Uh, this summer, you have the opportunity to go and hear his testimony, God, how God saved him, saved him out of um, uh, some, some uh, really interesting circumstances. I don't have the time to tell you his whole story. You'll just have to come with us. And he has planted a church there. The church building was just finished right before the pandemic hit. You can go to the next picture. You can see the Mana Feeding Center that they have there. And we don't have a sponsor for this Mana Feeding Center. And so part of the challenge this morning is to invite you to join us and to give above and beyond your regular giving to sponsor one of these children, maybe two of these children. You ask, well, what would that take? What does that mean? Well, our average cost around the world to feed a child for an entire month is $28. It's less than a dollar a day. You say, well, I could, I could help one child. Maybe you think, well, I may not have $28 a month, but I could give $10 a month. Or you know what? God has blessed me. Somebody told me the other day, I've got five grandchildren. God has blessed me. I want, I want to give enough to feed five of those kids for each one of my grandchildren. But what we can do individually is a small part. But what we do together as a church can adopt an entire feeding program like you see here. And so today, as you have that car seat there that we'll get to in just a minute, you can have opportunity to make a commitment. You say, well, how do I give that? Do I send that to you? How do I get those funds to Nicaragua? This is going to be part of Harvest Church's missions effort. And so you're just going to designate that additional giving above and beyond your regular giving. Your regular giving is supporting your local church, your community. So without a strong local church 
here, there can be no outreach to Nicaragua and around the world. So let me encourage you to be faithful in your giving right here. That's the first order and step of giving. But if God has blessed you, God has sustained you, let me encourage you to take a step of faith and be able to make a difference in the lives of one of these children. You can go to the next picture. Um, this is some of the baptism pictures that Pastor Junior has recently been able to have. You'll get a chance to meet him, go into some of the homes in the community, but also not in this location where your funds are directly going, but also in a several, uh, uh, two other manna feeding centers and a school that will have opportunity to minister in. And so you'll get um, a real great exposure to, to missions and to manna and, and, and see about that. But you can have a special part um, at this church in El Bosque, um, Nicaragua. Isaiah 46.3 says this, Listen to me, you descendants of Jacob, all the remnant of the people of Israel. You whom I've upheld since your birth, I have carried you since you were born. Even to your old age and gray hairs, I am he. I am he who will sustain you. I have made you. I will carry you. I will sustain you. I will rescue you. The God who sees is also the God who sustains I know this has been an interesting last couple of years, but if you're here this morning, God has sustained you, amen? We're still here. Maybe you've suffered tremendous loss, maybe recently or over the last period of time. I don't know what you've been going through today. Maybe today you need to just understand that God sees you, that he has a plan and a purpose for your life. Maybe today you would just open up your heart and say, God, I'm surrendering my life. Come and forgive me of my sin. And that step would just simply be to receive Jesus, to receive that manna. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. If you eat of this bread, you'll never hunger again. I can satisfy the deepest hunger, the deepest need in your life. Maybe you've been searching for a short period of time or a long period of time. Let me tell you, the answer to your searching is Jesus Christ. He is the only thing that can satisfy your need. Maybe you need to receive that manna, receiving Jesus. Maybe today your next step is to commit to say, you know what? I'm going to give that manna. We receive Jesus, and then we give out Jesus. The pastor of my home church in Fort Worth, Texas, his name is John Haley. He always says this, the gospel came to you on the way to someone else. Think about that for just a moment. The gospel came to you on the way to somebody else. It's an interesting way to think about that the gospel that manna that we receive, man, it's the greatest thing I've ever done in my life is to say yes to Jesus. But instantly, my life turned from receiving to a life of giving, to giving out Jesus. The way that we do that is by sharing the gospel verbally with our story of what God has done in our life, but also with our actions. The gospel is given and shown verbally and actively. And that's what I love about manna. It involves both the, the presentation of the gospel, but also a of the gospel. So let me encourage you to take that next step. I'm sure if we, we, we just took, we, we took a poll here, and we won't do this this morning, we would all say, Andrew, I, I think I agree with you. We ought to meet kids' needs. We ought to share the gospel. That's a wonderful thing to do. But let me encourage you to take that next step, to move from agreement with what's said here this morning to involvement. And that's an important step because we all need the time and place to say yes to do something maybe new or to be stretched in a new way. So let me encourage you to start where you stand or start where you're seated today and be the miracle of man to a child. Um, in, your, in your seat or with your guide there, your, your, um, your notes, you received 
you received that card. And that's just a way, uh, a, a tangible representation of the opportunity to say yes. And today is simply, at the beginning of the year, an opportunity to take that next step. Maybe you've been involved in missions, maybe you've been wanting to be involved, but if you're like me, sometimes you just need that Sunday to say, today I begin. And so that's what today is. If you want to commit to give above and beyond your regular giving to grow this year, um, and it doesn't take a whole lot, um, you can mark one of, those, uh, one of those lines there, you can fill in your own amount, there's just uh, several different easy ways to do that, to be able to fit what God has challenged you personally or your family to do. And there's also an opportunity there on the bottom to fill out your information just to stay involved, to stay to informed of what God is doing all over the world through the ministry of manna. And the way that we, we uh, appeal to people and that is, is through uh, an in-person presentation like this, speaking to you, preaching to you, and also inviting you on trips. We're not going to constantly mail you something of a new opportunity to get involved. You can see a, an example of our newsletters on our, on our table over there. So even if you're not able to give above and beyond your regular giving to help one of these children, if you want to fill out that, that, that part at the bottom um, to stay informed. So my desire and my hope would be that everyone would be able to take the opportunity to fill that out. So um, I want to ask you to bow your heads in prayer. Pastor Micah is going to come up here in just a minute and, and uh, but let's do business with God here today. Maybe you just need to receive that man, as I already mentioned, receive Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. In the quietness of this moment, He hears you. You can just say, God, forgive me of my sin. The way my life has been going, the decisions that I've made throughout the course of my life, I've realized that something is missing. And today, I ask you to forgive me. I believe in your Son, Jesus Christ, that you died on the cross to pay the price that I deserve to pay that you also rose again and now are living. I want you to live in me. Come into my life and forgive me. Be my Lord. I want to live for you. Maybe today your decision is to say, God, challenge me to step out of my comfort zone, to say yes to going, to praying more than I ever have for lost people around me and lost people around the world. Or maybe also to say, you know, God, you have been so generous to me. Out of the little or much that you have given me, it all belongs to you, and I want to respond. And together as a church, to be able to impact a community like El Bosque, Nicaragua, and other communities beyond that. Lord, challenge us this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor. Well, thank you, Andrew. Can we give Andrew a hand? Just thank him for coming today. Uh, he came all the way up here to Frigid, Missouri, from warm Texas. So we thank him for that. Um, no, but I just, I just want to kind of just reiterate, honestly, everything that Andrew just said. I, I'll tell you guys, I've been doing ministry for a lot of years. I grew up in the church. I've been on multiple mission trips, been involved with multiple missions organizations. Um, and most of the time what I see is an either-or emphasis, right? It's either go plant churches, share the gospel, preach Jesus, or go feed kids and get clean water and help communities and meet needs. And both of those things are good, but what the Bible asks us for, what's better, is when those two things are together, right? The Bible is very clear that we're supposed to care for the least of these and to love them and to show them the gospel, and then also to speak the gospel to them so they can be saved. 
Um, and so that's why I value Mana. That's why I love what they do. That's why I'm excited to get our church involved. You know from the beginning we have told you that our primary mission's emphasis is planting churches and spreading the gospel, and it is. And this is a fantastic tool to get to do that even more so in countries that don't have a church on every block, that don't have access to the gospel like we have here, countries that are hungry for it. They don't even know they're hungry for it, but they're hungry for it because they are in need, because they are struggling. They're looking for answers. And by giving them some food, giving them some water, giving them some safety, some care, it opens up that door to then also give them the truth of Jesus Christ and to let them come and be saved. And so today, just so you know, our church is committing with MANA to sponsor the feeding center that he just talked about in El Bosque, Nicaragua, with Pastor Junior. If you can join us in that, we would invite you to do that. You know that part of our mission's funding here comes out of our general budget, so when you give general tithes and offerings, we're going to be paying some of that to help with this program because we want to be committed to this. We want to see this continue to succeed and grow. But if you feel led by the Lord this morning, as Andrew was talking about, to sponsor a child, to sponsor a chair at one of those tables so those kids can get food and get the care and the love that they need, man, I want to invite you to do that. Do not do not be hindered by that, by other concerns, by other things you're thinking about. Like, this is a fantastic opportunity. And if we had enough who wanted to join in and to sponsor a seat, we could do two feeding centers, right? Let, let, let's not limit what God can do here by this. And we would love to be involved with what would be another one in Nicaragua or in another country somewhere. And then this summer, we've already got on the books in July, the 21st to the 26th, I believe are the dates, we are going to be taking our first international short-term mission trip to El Bosque to meet Pastor Junior, to meet the kids, to be a part of the work that's being there and get to be hands-on in what we're already financially supporting. And I think this is, for me, this has always been the biggest payoff in missions. It's great to financially support things in different countries and different areas, and God uses us to do that a lot of times, and we never get to see firsthand the fruit of what God's doing in those ministries. Here we get to do that. We get to go and be hands-on and to love on these kids and to serve them and to teach them and to grow with them in our own faith. And having been on these trips a couple times, I can tell you, man, it is life-changing for us just as much as it is for them. So I wanted to be encouraged you to be praying about that as well. Would God have you be a part of the team that goes to Nicaragua this summer and ministers in this way? We'll be giving you more information about that trip in the coming months and the cost and all that kind of stuff. So that will be rolling out here shortly.